Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Erin. We are the Ingolds. We are the founders of Metanoia Catholic, and we are here to talk coaching in the Catholic world. Yes, where we teach people how to become students of their interior life, and we also train and coach other Catholic coaches. So we're excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Hey guys. Hey folks. We're really excited to be doing this podcast. This has been something that has been in the back of our minds for a while now. And I think for this first podcast, we should really dive into like why it took us so long to do this. Yeah, because like the, the whole, everything that was standing in our way is now like, these are some of the obstacles that we help people overcome. And we had to apply even the things that we teach at Metanoia Catholic even in our own lives, we have to become products of our own product here to be able to actually get up and start doing this. So many times when we look at people that are trying to start something, particularly our podcasts, like you, we Googled all this stuff, like how to start a podcast and do all this research. And one of the first things that was on almost every single one of the blogs was just start. Yeah, just do it. Just start. Just get into it. And uh, it's just very appropriate because that's (laughs) what we say to our clients all the time. Just do it. Pick something. So just move forward with it. Who are we, Matt? Why yeah. are people why do people want to listen to us? So this is this There is, probably will be like five people listening to this one, let's be honest. That's okay. But. You five people that are listening right now, you will tell five more people. And they will <laughs> tell five more people. So it's really want I want to share a little bit about our background. Um uh, as, as who we are. My name is Matt Engel. My wife is Erin Engel. We're the founders of Metanoia Catholic. We're a Catholic coaching company, and we help our clients become students of their interior life, modern-day contemplatives, so that they can really step into the role as co-authors in the greatest story ever told. And it's really helping people do things from discover their their unique call to sanctity, their their primary purpose here, what is like the thought of God that you were meant to reveal to the world, but also identify some of those things that are keeping you from living that out. A lot of our clients... They come to us and they feel stuck, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is really kind of where we were when we first started getting into coaching ourselves. And so maybe it's just going back to even telling a little bit of that story, Aaron, for sure. kind of where we were in our lives. And, and I'll start off because I'm the really talkative one in the group. But go, go and back. And I'll interrupt. And Aaron will interrupt and, and <laughs> add a lot of <laughs> add a lot of much-needed details to it. So, so it was really a couple years ago that, that uh, Aaron and I, we, we'd been married for about seven years at this point. We just had our first baby after struggling with getting pregnant for a long time. And we had really settled into what you would call like this kind of like a, uh, like almost like this typical life, I guess, you could, typical family life. The or, word to describe it would be stagnation. Yeah, we were stale. <laughs> it was stale. And it's no, yeah. it's no, that's no knocking on any, you know, you know, certainly the nuclear family at all. Like we had just settled into this thing where it's just like, okay, we take care of our kid. I go to work. I come home. We eat dinner. We put our kid to bed. We watch a, a little bit of Netflix and then we go to sleep. And it was just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And our prayer life was kind of like, it was pretty good. We were going to Mass. Sometimes I'd, I'd make it during the week. Um, well, rosaries here or there. I mean, i got to be honest. Like, I wasn't having real personal experiences with God. It was very rote. Um, we got into doing Lexio Divina around that time, yeah. which was very helpful. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really, if it was left up to me, it would have been... It would have just stayed stale. Like, if God didn't kind of dive in and 
start to change things up a little bit. Yeah, and we had we had worked in ministry for years at this point. I mean, it took us a while to get pregnant. We saw this as an opportunity to be extraordinary for uh, fertile with our marriage. And so we were very involved with our parish. We were doing young adult ministry, youth ministry, um, marriage, uh, uh, marriage ministry and marriage preparation. Um, you know, I was singing. We had a praise and worship group that Aaron, you helped get started with a, some adoration. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, like, there was, when we, when we had the, our baby, though, we kind of stepped back from a lot of those things and, and went a bit internal. And so uh, we were less and, like, outward we needed focused to. with our mission. We needed to. Of course. We needed to enter into this new phase of our lives. And, you know, it was, it was definitely necessary, I would say. Right. So. Sure. And, and perhaps people, especially you got families, you can identify with this, this kind of shift of being very external and all of a sudden you're very focused on the on domestic, your church. domestic church. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. But it, there was kind of a thought that once our baby came along, because we had longed so much for this baby, um, that it was going to fix a lot of these aches uh, that we had. And really the desire for ministry never, never went away. Yeah. Um, but we also recognized that we were having just little silly, petty arguments. We were stuck in some areas where I was continually to like I would continually come home late from work, um, and and I was really seeking the attaboy at work. Um, it, it, we had just they were just p- kind of like petty arguments, yeah. not a whole lot of deliberate growth that was taking place. I would say like fruitless habits. Yes, that we were falling into. Yeah, just. It was a very um, unconscious, like living. It was not. It was not, not intentional at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was something with that that was just kind of like, I had this nagging thought that I was made to be doing something more. And I know you shared that as well, Aaron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, if you're if you're got a pulse, I imagine that you've you're thinking that you're, you're, yourself as well. And so. Um, when we went down uh, to visit my family down in Ave Maria uh, in Florida, we actually met some people that were life coaches. And I'd always laughed at the whole industry of life coaching. It just seemed silly and arrogant and like, okay, what is this person going to be able to teach me about myself that I don't already know? And and we sat down, and they didn't pitch us or anything. They were friends of ours. They were Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually pretty new to the business. But they had been doing it for for years throughout yeah, their life, like natural coaches. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, by the time we got done meeting with them one evening, uh, I got home and I was just like, "Aaron, I don't care how much this costs. We got to do this." Because he really described a, a state in my life where I was longing for growth, longing to. I, I, it was kind of a bit of a Groundhog Day scenario, and I didn't want to be the same guy a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, mm-hmm. and never really stepping in dis- discovering my, my own potential, my own unique call to sanctity. Mm-hmm. And that was something where it was just like the thought of being the same person a year from now was like, it was not terrifying, but it was just so depressing Yeah, it was. it was like boring. Yeah. This is so funny because I remember, like, I would always ask, like, these really... I liked this challenge of always asking these very profound questions. Just funny because now I'm a coach and that's, like, what I do. But um, I remember asking a couple of girls this question, like, what, what is, like, the scariest thing that you never want people to call you? 
I know that's like a weird question, but like I'm sure I, I phrased it much better. Yeah, what's than like I the worst right label that yeah. anybody could ever put on <laughs> Thank you? Thank you. That's a way better way. To... <laughs> um, and my answer was boring. Like I was like, I would be so upset if somebody ever called me boring, <laughs> or if I ever thought my life was boring. Really, like. I mean, it doesn't really matter. If somebody doesn't really know me and they call me boring, that's fine. But, like, if I call myself boring, that's pretty sad. So, anyway, back to your story. But, yeah. No, we didn't want to be boring and we didn't, we we just, I don't know, I just wanted, I wanted my life to be something that had greater purpose, greater contribution. And and I know everybody can identify with something like that. And so we started down this path Mm -hmm. of just this deliberate learning. and, And really, I was expecting it to be very behavioral driven. All right, what are your goals? What are the things that you need to hit in order? Like, what are the milestones you need to hit on the way to that goal? And let's just put a plan in place. That was the military. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a former Marine and in and, and the infantry. And so, like, that's what we did. It was just planning all the time and just, just execution. And so I thought that's what it was going to be. But I was surprised when so much of it was just going into the interior life, really looking at not only, like, what are the behaviors, but at the root of those behaviors, What's the emotion that's driving those behaviors? And at the root of those, emotion, those emotions, what are the thoughts that we're thinking, either on a conscious or subconscious level, mm-hmm. that are actually bearing the fruits of these actions, these behaviors and results yeah. in our lives? Mm-hmm. And so when we started to like look back on that, it was just like, wow, there is a whole lot of garbage that was going on in here. I mean, a lot of I could trace back every issue that I was having in my life to a thought yeah. at some point, to a toxic thought, to an agreement that I had made, to a lie that I had embraced about who I was, about who God was, about who my wife was, or my, like what mm-hmm. my family life looked like, what my prayer life, I had all of these thoughts, and so many of those thoughts had just never gone challenged. They just were sitting there, yet they were still yeah. affecting my life on a daily basis and bringing about results that I did not want to continue. I think that's a good point. Like, I think when we do not challenge the conscious thoughts or the subconscious thoughts that we have and our brain is in default mode, mm-hmm. right? Or our mind is in default mode and it just keeps going, 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 going. And it's just never challenged. We do just live in an, we live an unintentional life. Autopilot. Yeah, and, and we, we see the same thing. We Like you said earlier before, you said Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know, you, you see your life as the same thing day after day after day. Mm-hmm. And it's that word stagnation. It's stale. It's boring. It's stuck. And it's not living where God wants you to live. Yeah. It's like, also very, like, exhausting, too. And, like, it's it's... It's despairing. Like so often I would, because mm. we weren't going into the, to the interior life, which is really the root of where the problem was. And Christ calls us to cleanse the inside of the cup, not focus on the outside of the cup, our external behaviors. I would get so focused on the behaviors that I wanted to change that it was just like, imagine like flying a plane that's on autopilot and you don't change the autopilot settings, but you can grab the yoke and you can steer the plane in a different direction. But as soon as you take your hands off that yoke, as soon as you stop applying the deliberate effort to reinforce a new behavior, it just self-corrects back to the same coordinates that were already put in the autopilot setting. And so it was something that was very exhausting and I would see incremental gains in my life through just focusing on the behavior but I would be so defeated when I would like 
ease back a little bit or just kind of, you know, have a take a, a break from it. And it never was getting any easier. I was just constantly having to resist right. this White autopilot yeah. that was like fighting to pull me back yep. into the coordinates that I had already set. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like, I know I can. I call it the diet mentality. Oh, yeah. That's it's the number one diet Really workout. similar. It's like you can change the diets. You can change what you're doing all of the time. But if there isn't a core mindset shift or you're, if, if you aren't transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2, mm. it will never stick. That lifestyle will never actually change. I really struggled with weight, eating disorder, you know, all of the stuff for a long time. And I can look back on the times in my life where I actually embraced freedom that God had accessible for me. And it always came in the form of a mindset shift. Mm. Always. There was always something that I, I finally started to challenge. And I did this unintentionally. I didn't know these skills yet. But it was through the prompting of the Holy Spirit and through prayer and through journaling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally have probably 10 full journals of like talking about food and my relationship with food and my body and, and God and prayer journals about all of that stuff. But um, through all of these tools, like the Holy Spirit kind of worked me through this process, mm -hmm. which we take people through on an on an intentional level. So we actually are very intentional about this process that took me years. Yeah. I mean, I can think of it also an, an area in my life that was pretty profound where I had a mindset shift. I can't really, I, 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 looking back now, I can see it for what it was, but it was when I was struggling with pornography and, 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 uh, and just unchastity when I was in college. And I remember it was when I was listening to Christopher West, mom mm -hmm. put the CD on in the car and he was talking about theology of the body and he was describing this really, which was my life, which was, I, I thought Christian piety was just repressing all of these uh, emotions that I had that were that were for you know sexual gratification. It was just a great suppression that was going on. I had two options of indulge, indulge, which is a sinful life, or repress, repress, which I thought was really the pious life. And so I spent a lot of my time white knuckling. I, I, I but it brought me to a place where, as I was going back and forth between, I would fall, indulge, and I go back and I repress and I'd be good for a while, and then I fall again and indulge. That I just started to disdain my own my own sexual desires, my mm -hmm. own sexuality. And I, there was so much shame that was attached to it because I knew that these desires that I had continued to lead me to a place that I did not want to go to, a sinful place. And there was so, so much shame and I couldn't fix it. And so I started to think, well, there's got to be something wrong with me at my core. Mm -hmm. And and like it, at my core, I am bad. And so I just started to wish these things away and just be like, my prayer was like, God, take my sexual desires away from me. But when I heard that that message that Christopher shared in John Paul II's Theology of the Body, that like, no, it's not indulge or repress, but like it's a reorientation that Christ came into this world to give us the power and the grace to reorient those good desires at their core, they are good, to purify them and reorient them towards that which will truly satisfy them. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it was just like, 
I found what I was really searching for. It was a path to authentic love. And that's really what I wanted. And so it was no longer my efforts for chastity were no longer about denying myself. They were about saying yes to something that I really truly wanted. And that mindset shift, I can tell you that with coupled with the sacrament and sacramental life, yeah. coupled with a lot of prayer, all this like it was really a watershed moment for me. And it actually the gains were fairly quick at that point because I had gotten down to the root lie that was at the absolute core. Yeah. And what we find when we coach is that so often when people are repeatedly going back to things that they don't want to be doing, they've got habitual sins, there's something similar. There's a core lie, there's a core agreement mm-hmm. that gets all the way down to the identity level. Yeah. And, and we want to just, through the process that we have at Metanoia Catholic, remove some of those things yeah. so that people can find a place of freedom and then orient themselves, orient their lives to sort of deliberately, not from the exterior, but from the interior, deliberately changing their thoughts, metanoia, change the thoughts, change the mind, mm-hmm. uh, so that their interior life might just become manifest in their exterior life. The results in the behaviors and their the fruits in their life might be an integrated response to what has become ordered in their thoughts and their emotional life. Yes. And I'm glad that you spoke on grace, um, even the sacramental grace of going to confession continually through this process is so, it is so profound and it speeds the process up completely, which going back to our story where, you know, we were, we were exposed to secular coaching programs. Mm-hmm. And there was truth in them. A lot. There was a lot of truth My in My prayer life, I know, went through the roof with it. And these people were not even, maybe they're Christian, I don't know, but they weren't preaching the gospel, yes. so to speak. And, and um, so Matt and I decided, like, okay, so there's so much truth in this. And a lot of this stuff is pointing back to even our own catechism and the teachings of the saints and all that stuff. Sorry, it's our notification. Yeah, I'll mute <laughs> on that our computer. Stuff now. So we decided that um, we should make, we should create a, you know, Catholic coaching program mm-hmm. because there was nothing out there like that. Nothing that we could see. There were so much benefits. Like we couldn't deny the benefits in our life, but at the same time, there was this, there was this concern that if we directed our Catholic friends to some of the resources that we had found that without a proper formation, it could actually bring them to a place of scandal or to a near occasion of sin yeah. or to, to some beliefs that were a little bit leaning more new age or Or uh, just straight Eastern. up new age beliefs, yeah. Right, narcissistic. So there was, there was a of, little bit of, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a fear there and I, th- I think a prudent judgment on our, on our part that there needed to be something out there like this for our fellow Catholics. Yeah. And we really wanted to step into that role too. It yeah. was, it was a I little mean, scary. Well, for you, Aaron, like, it's not like this is like, oh, I guess, yeah, I'll be a coach. Like it was more so like a recognition that this was something that the Lord had been calling you to for a long time. And you'd stepped into this role. I mean, you're a beautician by trade. Yeah. <laughs> and you had, you had kind of done the youth ministry route and certainly we're, we're active in our parish, but like, I mean, what did you find that was your favorite part about being a beautician? It was talking to the people. It was, God gave me a, a um, you like You actually I, get in trouble. Yeah, 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 right, right. Like, I, <laughs> I always took really a long, long time to do hair. And 
um, yeah, I'd get in trouble. That's my bosses. But I would, I would try, I would attempt to fix everybody's problems. <laughs> Administered everybody in my chair. Covertly, of course. But in some cases, it was not. It was very overt mm. if I was ministering to them. Um, but yeah, I always enjoyed hearing from people. And I always um, thought it was, it was an honor in, in sacred ground when people would share with me what they were going through. And um, I was like, I, I always responded with a lot of reverence to that yeah. um, because I knew the Lord was putting me in that position for a reason. And, um, and I, I certainly wasn't on my own by any means capable of, of, <laughs> of kind of responding to these people. But I, um, I loved that moment of being like, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. Like, okay, he's coming. Like, and then just letting him take over the yeah. whole process. And it's fruitful. Yeah. I mean, there were fruitful exchanges that, that you're receiving. You know, a tree by its roots. And so mm-hmm. for, for Aaron, I know it was something that was very natural. For me as a, as a, as a Marine, I, my favorite part was those moments where I actually have got to be one-on-one with my Marines and, and just sharing, hearing about the intimate details of their life, and and so it was something that was just very natural for us. And so we we're just like, you know what, let's let's go about this. But the more that we went about this, and Aaron, you started just doing some coaching on the side. I was I started putting a, a program together for veterans, first responders, and their their spouses called Warriors Redemption, which was really that was that was targeting people that had experienced just some of the hardships of working the line of duty. And experiencing that darker side of life and giving them a language of the interior life so that they can kind of enter into deeper conversations that bring about true healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that program's still out there. And I, in fact, I've started coaching people alongside of that now. But but we just started taking some action at this point. Yes. It was like, and that's what our coaching program told us. And it was something that was also an area where we saw a deep poverty in in the uh, in, our, in our church. Yes. It was just a pot, like... I'm going to wait on God's will. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting on God's will. And it's not to say that like there's this, there's no place for that. But oftentimes what we found in our own lives was that we were using that as an excuse for not ent- taking any sort of risks. To not show up. And yeah. not showing up and not stepping out in faith mm-hmm. to really kind of give the opportunity, God the opportunity to show up. Yeah. And so we started doing this. And then we started teaching our clients to do this. And we experienced the fruits in our own life. And, the, and they started experiencing the fruits in their own life. And the, the beautiful fruits is like you actually start to enter into your unique call to sanctity. That which you were put on this planet to do. And it's deliberate. You don't leave God behind. And that's what we saw in a lot of our other secular coaching programs. There just God wasn't there. It was yeah. really, what do you want in your life? What is good in, in your estimation? And then... Okay, let's start pursuing this. Yeah, we're here at Mennonite Catholic. We we know it's a partnership. It's we know that God is the good. Yes, and unless if you are if you're not in dialogue with Him, you won't figure out your the best good for you. You just won't. And so you'll always be seeking. You'll always be grasping. You'll always be in in anxiety, self reliance. Yes, like it turns into something that doesn't. The problems that we were seeing with the secular coaching programs is that it would all, th- there wasn't necessarily a greater unification that was happening with God. And like that's one of the things that we believe is a, a, our greatest distinction at Metanoia Catholic is, is we don't 
a lot of the time we, we say that our that our, our the secular coaching world will, will kind of act as a as a booking agent for somebody that's going on a trip, right? <laughs> they don't care what destination you pick; they're going to help you figure out how to get there, right? Where we step in more as a travel guide, we know the destination, right? We know the destination is the beatific vision, right? Yes. To live in in perfect union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in heaven for all eternity. That's the goal. That's that's the final destination. When you know that destination, it changes the way that you coach. So it, like, for example, here, like, we know that while, while our desires are something that are part of the problem, mm-hmm. or excuse me, part of the solution to really living out and discovering your unique call to sanctity and getting in touch with your desires and asking those questions like, what would you do with $300 million if you had that today? Also, that needs to be brought and coupled with God's perfect will as well. Yes. And so when, when we start to bring God into that, our goal setting even becomes something that is, there's a co-authorship. There's, there's a fecundity that, yes. that's with it. There's a spousal union that's taking, uh, taking place between the desires that God has given to us that we are representing back to him, that we are inviting him to purify, and then together he is molding, we are molding this beautiful creation uh, that ultimately we, our goals will become manifest and be able to be made a gift. Yes to the world, which can then increase the spousal union. Now we have a gift that we can give. And as John Paul II puts it, man cannot know himself until he makes a sincere gift of self. And so that's the beautiful piece that we see where people step off and they start to be very intentional, even about goal setting, which is a primary thing that we do yeah. at Metanoia Catholic as well. I think another major difference between what we do in, in secular coaching programs is um, often you will hear that there's no absolute truth you know yeah. that there's it's subjective truth similar to what you were saying like like you're the one who picks what is your truth and all of that but we hold it up to the truth who is also god right and the teachings of like the rich beautiful teachings of our catholic faith that are designed for us to live in that beatific vision and yeah. start to live in it now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I love that. <laughs> That's yes. such a like profound statement, but like it's true. Yeah. We are the kingdom to live come. In it now. Like the kingdom come is now. John 10, 10. I have come so that you can have life and la- life abundantly. Yes. Bear fruits, fruits that will last. Like it's not, like, it's not like we just wait for heaven. And, and certainly heaven, we will be revealed the, the fullness of this glory will be revealed and we will only get a foretaste in this life Mm -hmm. and we can get a foretaste in this life and it's an amazing thing like that's incredible even if it's the tiniest little foretaste we can receive that that's the promise of the gospel is that like the kingdom come is now like christ was proclaiming a kingdom that is is actually taking root here in our church here and now like this is an incredible thing yes incredible thing and we get to participate in it right and so to hold up like you spoke about this earlier matt the lies that we believe Mm -hmm. to hold up those lies that we've maybe believed our whole lives and we've been on automatic forever you know we our minds have been on default and it's just like well that's just the way it is to hold that up to actual truth that we know to be truth Mm -hmm. right and to have even that consolation that there is a truth, an absolute truth, that we can hold it up to. I feel like that's like a tremendous weight to think that you are the arbiter of truth, yeah. right? Like you are the one 
like your subjective truth is like what everything relies on. Like, ah, no, thank you. I do not like that responsibility. Well, yeah, and what what that does ultimately is we find that it gets people to a place of just not of stagnation. They just don't move. That's there's too much pressure on getting it wrong. That or they become their own god. Yeah, it has eternal consequences to get it wrong at at that point. And one of the things that one of my one of my clients actually brought up, which I it was just. He was struggling with a lot of perfectionism, and it was leading him to a place where of just inaction. He wasn't making a move because he was so afraid of getting it wrong. And we started to be like, oh, what if there is no wrong answer? What, what if all you have to do is just make a decision? And this integrated thought which bubbled up from inside of him that is that I know came from the Holy Spirit, because I've started to actually adopt this in my own life. I was sitting here as the coach, now becoming the, the student myself, <laughs> to the Holy Spirit, working through this man, which is one of my favorite parts about coaching. As he said, it's not a big deal if I get it wrong. Everything is redeemable. <gasps> like everything is redeemable, and mm. that's the beautiful part about like our. Take that thought. You can apply it to um, any any of our, our our sins that we had, any decisions that we made that didn't necessarily turn out the way that we wanted to. Whether they had moral implications or they weren't really having any moral implications, yeah. they just didn't really turn out the way we wanted them to. Everything is redeemable. Yeah. And side note to that. You know, when you say, like, what if there is no wrong decision, right? Like, of course, we're not talking about a moral decision versus an immoral decision. Is it amoral or immoral? I don't know. I I think amoral is, But a non-moral decision. So holding those two up, obviously, we're not talking about that. We're talking about... Not every decision has a moral implication to it. Right. We were just talking about a, like, kind of everyday decision that... Either way, yeah, the Lord, fish. <laughs> the Lord could bless, right? Yeah. And and why was he stuck in indecision? You said perfectionism, but let's take it deeper. Why? Like, what are people? What are perfectionists? Well, I mean, if you what what are they dealing with well, on a daily basis? Well, I I don't know if I know the exact answer that you're looking for with this, and I'm I kind of like searching my archives, but I know <laughs> it like ultimately came. Yeah, I I know when Aaron's giving me a loaded question where it's just like, she's looking for a particular answer here. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, it was more than just, is more than just, I can't get it wrong. It's, you know, that can translate to an actual identity. Um, I, I am wrong. There's something wrong with me mm. if I get this wrong. Yeah. And so a, a lot of the, the time, again, those are the things that we start to uncover. And they just stand in the way. They're not all, and they're not all seated in this deep, like traumatic wound that we have in the past. Nope. And sometimes they're just kind of like... They're just unchecked thought, like, yeah. like thought errors. Yeah. That's really... And they're not even a big deal. They have, they have big impacts on our lives. Yes. But discovering them doesn't have to be this huge, like surgical, invasive, yeah. you know, years in therapy, not knocking therapy. Therapy has its place, but it doesn't have to be... All of that. It can mm-hmm. be something that is very just, I don't know, like a, a simple discovery. And then just being like, you know what? I'm not, I don't think I'm going to keep this one. Yeah, like I, Lord, yeah. I want to bring this to you to have you redeem this. Right. Show me your truth. Right. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up therapy, um, coaching versus counseling or coaching versus therapy. Not versus. That That's kind of pinning them against one another. Well, what's the difference? Yeah, this is a question we get a lot. What's the difference between co- coaching and like a clinical counseling program because this is not a clinic coaching yeah. is typically not clinical unless somebody is a clinician Aaron and I are not clinicians yes right we can't nor do prescribe we or... really want to be and there is a place for for counseling and therapy and I know some wonderful counselors 
Like I like really and 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 maybe not so wonderful counselors. Yeah. But I have the counselors that I refer my people to when it's needed. And so the difference I always use the analogy. Is it analogy or metaphor? I think it can go both ways. Okay. Let's, anal- let's go with analogy. On this. Okay. It's analogy. So I was sick that day when we learned the difference between <laughs> analogy and metaphor. That's my excuse for everything for not paying attention in school. Um, so I use the analogy of an athlete. And so an athlete is bef- is wants to improve their game, right? Yep. And so... If they are healthy and they don't have a broken leg or a sprained wrist or whatever, they can go right to the coach and the coach can actually get them to improve their strategy to go from point A to point B quicker and more fluidly, right, fluidly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's, they, they improve their well-being of their game. Mm-hmm. So... It's really the people we work with, the difference between our clientele. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if somebody is injured or wounded or has an old wound that comes up sometimes, they need to go to the physical therapist to work through it. Now, there have been times where I've coached people while they are in counseling. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Because I work in different a different aspect. I'm not dealing with the past. Very rarely am I dealing with the past. What I'm dealing with is the present and the future. And I help people get from point A to point B. I help them improve their well-being right now. Um, it's similar to um, positive psychology in a sense. Yeah, there's certainly some elements that, that we've adopted from positive psychology, which is... Martin you can, Seligman. You can Dr. Martin Seligman from uh, uh, I think University of Pennsylvania. You can read up on some of that stuff, uh, which is which is saying that like okay, a lot of the mental health field is focusing on mental illness and eradicating mental illness or taking somebody from like a negative ten to a negative six or a, a zero at best. But positive psychology is like okay, what's the science of actually human thriving? And so how do we get somebody that is actually healthy to a plate of even greater well-being? That's where we see coaching kind of fits in that place a little bit more. Yes. But really going with your analogy of the physical therapist, like if somebody is injured, if somebody's an, an athlete is injured, they got a broken wrist or something like that, you just take them and you put them on the field. They're going to get injured further. They're not actually going to grow at that point. So uh, sometimes people need to have some more healing to set conditions in their lives for them to be open uh, to coaching and for coaching to actually be something that is fruitful and beneficial to them. Yes. And so it's it's a you know it's something that we discern with our clients from time to time, but vast majority of the time, people kind of know mm-hmm. they've got they've got a knowledge of where they need to be, um, but but occasionally we do have some people that will continue come back. Like at some point, you leave the physical therapist. Like once you're healed, you you, you don't continue to stick and hang out in the in the trainer's office. Once your your ankle is healed, at that point, you got to get back onto the field. But so often we find is that people turn into yeah, and well, strengthen it was, those it was, yeah, yeah, it was so like it was so helpful to me working with this physical therapist. I guess I just need more of it. And it's just like no, like at this point, the physical therapist has done what he or she was meant to do. Mm-hmm. You're healthy. You're you're ready to go on and actually start working with the coach. And so people can get stuck in therapy, years of therapy, 
where really at that point they may need to have, they need to actually bring a coach in to start getting them to act mm-hmm. more deliberately, discovering their unique call to sanctity. And so they can start to find greater meaning in their life because so much of the depression and the anxiety, what we find, and we're kind of drawing from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, he's the founder of Logotherapy, um, he talks about how a lot of the depression, the addiction, and the aggression that we experience is, is actually ordered meaning that it, there's some use to it, there's purpose to it, because it's revealing to us that we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not living the life that we're, we're called to live. We're made for a deeper purpose. We're made for something yes. more, and the actual solution is to go seek that out mm-hmm. and start to live from that and start to create meeting rather than just waiting for it to happen to you, which can put you in a very victim-y kind of place, a powerless place, but it's just like, no, like actively step into your role as a co-creator, as a caretaker for the garden that God has made you to be. That is a way that we are in the image and likeness of God mm-hmm. as his creative power that he has shared with us. Are we using it? Yeah. Are we bearing fruits that will last in our lives? Which actually speaks to the poverty, the poverty that you and I saw in our Catholic in our culture and our and yeah, our Catholic brothers and sisters for building Mennonite Catholic. Yeah, it was this poverty of of like really a lack of action. I, I always say like we help stuck Catholics. <laughs> People are just stuck who ha- who feel that that um potentiality. They they know it. They know mm-hmm. that they have they were made for something more than just what you described our life before we discovered coaching. Yeah. Then just kind of two ships passing in the night. Maybe we go out to dinner every once in a while as a married couple, but really we're just keeping our heads above water with all these kids and activities and, uh, you know, fill in the blanks. Um, and we keep saying that we keep saying, oh, you know, I'll, I will get to that dream. I will get to that desire when X happens, when my kids graduate from high school, when my... Um, you know, when my husband retires or when I retire and we start to take these things that the Lord is laying on our hearts and we just, mm-hmm. we just delay them because we just look at our current circumstances and we start to define what we're capable of doing based on our current circumstances, whether it's our income, whether it's how much time that we have. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, like we can spend a whole lot of time living somebody else's unintentional life, living as the two-bit buffoon in somebody else's story before we actually start to live our own life and and say yes, give our fiat to what God is calling us into right now. I love the saying like Christianity or Catholicism is not a spectator sport. And so often we do play it like that. We're just like kind of watching and then we blame and we say, like, well, you know, like, the worst is, like, so I see us, like, I, okay, I see this in myself, too. So mm-hmm. everything I'm saying, we have gone through. Matt and I have actually, like, gone through this transformation. Um, and but, we continue, yeah. Yeah, but, like, even just blaming people that we love the most, our our spouses, God, Blaming God mm-hmm. for our lack of action, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's just silly. Let's be honest. Like that's kind of he's just like, look, I got all this stuff waiting for you. Just like take action. And yes, it's scary sometimes, but I said, do not fear. Like, and don't pretend that you're not afraid. Just don't choose 
fear. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense when we kind of go deeper into the way that we coach. Mm -hmm. But like the choice of fear is, fear is a choice. That's what I mean by that, actually. I said that backwards. But fear is a choice. To choose it is to choose it. And to not choose it is to choose God. Yeah. And love is also a choice. Love is also an act of the will. Right? To will the good of the other for the other's sake as we draw from our catechism and from Aquinas and even from Plato. I think he has that in there as well. So like we, we know this beautiful definition of love is to will the, other good, the good of the other for the other person's sake. So this is kind of like a little bit of the background of how we got started here, folks. I mean, it, it, the, the rest of the story is we just started taking action. And clarity came through that action. And before we know it, we had, we had started to have clients. We, started to, we had a website. We started to have journals. Mm-hmm. Like we actually, I, we never thought we'd be publishing. And, and here we are, we're getting ready to publish our, our journal, the Metanoia Daily 7, seven daily uh, mindset exercises to renewing your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually the backbone, that's the core workbook, the core textbook to everything that we do at the Metanoia uh, at Metanoia Catholic. Yeah. And so we're going to share a little bit more in a follow-on episode really about the journal because that's been something that has transformed our lives and helped us become students of our interior mm. lives. Um, and so that we can share that with our clients. And some, a lot of our clients, they just find, especially even if they're not journalers, they're just like, you know what, this has been incredibly revealing to me. And I've I was going to so ask you, this. what does the journal do for people? It, it shows them their mind. Yes. I mean, it sh- it's, it's, it's kind of like I liken Honestly. it to, yes, it brings you to a place where it brings everything into the light, even the stuff that is ugly. I, I think of it from the movie Never Ending Story, mm-hmm. where like it's, he's, he goes through all these gates and everybody's just like, oh, and then he comes to this one, it's called the magic mirror, mm-hmm. where he's got to face himself, like a Treyu that the protagonist in the story, this warrior, has to actually look at himself in the mirror and see the truth about who he truly is. And that's the most terrifying piece. I mean, that's, in a lot of ways, that's, that's what we're all going to face in the final judgment, is mm-hmm. we're going to stand face-to-face with who we are. And if we've never actually taken a look, in a look at it, we might be like, you know, this guy telling, talking about this, this story with the trades. Like, we might run away screaming like yes. from this, this image that we see. But when we can get into the habit of looking at our own interior life and all the beauty and all of the dysfunction and all of the compost piles and mm-hmm. filth that are in there and seeing it alongside God's mercy, we're going to be more apt to embrace and say yes to that mercy over and over and over and over and over and start to live that beatific vision here. Yes. Here and now. Like, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. There's an opportunity to really enter into and be transformed and start to receive that redemptive love, that redemptive, merciful love here and now. <laughs> I just had a thought. Those doo-doo thoughts that we were talking about before. The those, doo-doo thoughts. The doo-doo thoughts that keep us stuck, you know, the lies and all of that. When it is brought out into the light, like, we've often talked about the gardening analogy, but when it is brought into the light, it creates beautiful fruit. It has to be brought into the sunlight, though. Yeah, it's like has, a compost pile that sits in the darkness. It doesn't do anything until yeah. you bring that stinky, so, filthy stuff into the sunlight. Yeah. And what does it become? It becomes fruit. A fertile seed bed. Yeah. yeah. Like just incredible place that great fruits can come from our own lives. So and this is the beauty even, of the redemption. Yes. So even the doo-doo thoughts have a purpose. Yeah. Which is so cool. It's so redemptive. It's like that is that is our Christian faith. Yes. Come on, people. We got to, like, get excited about this. Yeah. Like, our Christian faith is just cool. It just, like, turns everything on its head. Yeah. 
And Satan wants us to hide our doo-doo thoughts because he knows how fruitful they can ultimately be when they're brought out into yeah. the light and sh- like presented Well, he also knows how destructive they are when they're kept in the dark. Yes, yes. So, doo-doo in the darkness does yeah. nothing but stink, stink, stink. Yeah, exactly. So um, one other thing that you said, oh, okay, so the, so the journal brings you to honesty. And one thing I do want to say is, I've noticed this as um, as I've been taking some discovery calls from, you know, prospective clients. There is um, in our Catholic faith as well, and not like in the actual teachings of the Catholic Church. I'll say like more of like Catholic culture. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who lack um, real authenticity in prayer, and I'm not saying that as being like judgmental, but like. It's really, and and they they really struggle mm-hmm. because of that, and that's usually the reason why they're coming. Is is this lack of realness with mm-hmm. God, um, this lack of really just befriending the Lord, and and just getting all of that stuff out there, and and kind of this underlying sense of self reliance. Being like, no, I got this. I got this, God. Like, it's like the people who want to work out before they go to the gym so that they look good when they're working out, right? And I'm like, that's the actual point of the gym is to get better looking so that, you know. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah it's like the people who, like, want to be ready before they're ready. Yeah. And and living in that place of being ready before they're ready or thinking that they need to be ready before. They, but it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's not truthful. It's just not real. It's yeah. not like your reality. And so much of that tension is unnecessary. Yeah. And that's what I find we do a lot is we help people remove that unnecessary tension and pain that we and guilt that we throw on ourselves for no reason, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, folks, if there's one thing that Aaron and I have re- re- uh, discovered um, or realized here. Going through the coaching, now going, we do our daily seven journal every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's how much energy we have wasted on fruitless anxiety, fruitless thinking, Worry. fruitless ac- actions. And the fruits now of being able to start to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, in our own interior lives is that we are... Um, we're, we find ourselves being more patient parents. We find ourselves being more uh, better communicators with one another. I sleep better at night. Yes. Uh, we we overeat less, even though I had a big helping yesterday on Avila's birthday and yeah. Father's Day. I, definitely. Anyways, like we we eat better. We Our work out life more. Is Our so prayer life is so much richer. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. We we actually we make commitments and we fulfill our our commitments that we make. Uh, so much more. We are like, cooperating with grace. Ah, we don't I mean, have useless. Like I, I really think that at the end of our life and our judgment, we will, we will know all the times that we misused or just didn't use the grace that God gave to us. Yeah, that's the scariest thing. Is like all the things, the sins of omission, yeah. so to speak. Those and just are learning real. to be like better stewards of our interior life. And a lot of this might sound like like ungodly self-reliance, what we're talking about, it is not. And I could say that with 110%, it is not. It probably could lead to that. You could maybe go down that path of being really prideful, but like if you're doing these tools appropriately, 
you'll catch yourself pretty quickly. And like the Lord will make it very clear to you that that's what you're doing. Yeah. More on that in a following episode when we really start talking about goal setting. Yeah. Uh, but I think at this point, Aaron, we're done. Probably just wrap it up. So that's that's us, Matt and Aaron Engel. We're, we're Metanoia Catholic is our is our coaching company. Check and, us uh, out. Yeah. Go to metanoiacatholic.com. Uh, browse around the website here if you want to uh, sign up. We may have it still available depending on when you're listening to this. An opportunity to sign up for a free discovery call with Aaron. Uh, we're going to have our journal uh, as soon as that's released. It's going to be uh, published and it'll be available on our site. That that journal also has, uh, in fact, a following episode we're going to do just talking more about the journal, but there's a member page that's associated with that where you can actually learn how to perform each one of these exercises and really get the most out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very transformative experience for a lot of our, our clients that have been diligent with doing those uh, doing that, that those daily exercises of really taking a look at all the doo-doo thoughts and things on their interior mm-hmm. life and, and bringing them to the Lord for, for, uh, for cleansing. So, hey, folks, thanks so much for, for being with us. We got more coming from Metanoia Catholic, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, uh, Metanoia Catholic. Well, maybe in an episode we'll actually talk about Metanoia and how we actually came up with the name. That would be cool. That'd be cool. All right, stand by for that, folks. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey folks, thanks so much for being with us. If you want to learn more about Metanoia Catholic and how to get coaching with us, go to metanoiacatholic.com. That's M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A catholic.com. Thanks so much for listening.